Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad continues in his sermon series called Return and Rebuild as he speaks of how we are the body of Christ and each part must complete its task for the body to function properly. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now. Good morning, Impact Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Oh, man, I love it. I love it. I love it. I hope you're excited to be here. So let's get going, guys. Uh, We've been in a sermon series that we've been in for four weeks now. This is week number five. We're going through the book of Ezra. And uh, it is a uh, sermon series that we've entitled Return and Rebuild. And we're seeing God's people, after a 70-year period of captivity, come returning uh, through the call of the Lord back to the place that had been desolated, that they had been driven out of because of their sin, spent time in captivity, and the Lord was calling them home to return and rebuild the temple. So we're going to get a message today in Ezra chapter 2. And if you've read ahead and you've read chapter 2, you might have read and been like, what's the message in that? It's like 70 verses of names, right? Whether believe it or not, there's a message in here for us that God has. So we're going to look at that today. The title of the message is All In. And then a subtitle under that is Get Connected. So the, the title leads to the question of are you all in? Are you all in to what God is doing? Are you all in to what God wants to do in your life? And are you, this title of this message, are you all in collectively to what God wants to do in the body of Christ? And then as a subscript of that body, which is the whole body of Christ, individually in this body of Christ at Impact Church and what God has called us to do. Because if you're all in, you need to get connected. You need to to get tied in where it's solid and you're grounded and God has you rooted here. Because I don't know if you know this or not, and this is not the age we live in, unfortunately, but did you know that when God places you in a church that it has to be God that removes you? Did you know that? But so too many times we get caught up in this consumer kind of age of the church where we just go here and there and this, that, and the other. And man, but when you get placed, when God truly places you somewhere, you're rooted and only God should be able to move you. And there's certain... uh, reasons that God can move you, and that's a a message for a different day, but God has you rooted where he needs you to use you amongst a body of believers to do his work. So I I like to to look at this as when you ask the question, are you all in and get connected, because I've got a a football for a brain, so I always think around football, and and I love the aspect of of football and the teamwork, but I love when, when teams come out of the locker room, if you've ever watched that, and so many times in football, uh, unlike any other sport, they're locked arms, and, and they're just together, and they're united, and they're unified, and, they're, and they've got each other's back, and they can feel each other because they know they're getting ready to go to battle to complete something that they've worked hard for, and now is the time to show up. Guys, God wants us to do that. God's doing a work in our hearts and our lives individually and preparing us for something. And then he wants to get us collectively unified as a body of believers to lock arms together. And so we can charge forward on game day, right? Which is every day, by the way, in Christ to do what God wants us to do. And you should get excited about that. 
Everybody gets all pumped up at the football game. You see them come out, and they got the big pumping music, and everybody's roared. Man, we should, we should feel like that, and especially when we come together on Sundays, and we get together and lock arms and get ready to charge through the week. That's why Sunday is important. That's why gathering together is important. That's why even beyond this, life groups are important. And Bible studies of men's and women's group and all these things and fellowship times. It's important, guys, that we get together, do life together, and charge forward with what God has for us. So the big question to this is, in this message today, is what is the church? What is the church to you? Is the church a building? Or is it a body? Is the church, get this, is it about making decisions? Or is it about making disciples? Is the church about a meeting? Or is this about a movement? What is the church to you? And I want you to think about that as we go through this message and we look at what God has for us. Because God's call to all of us today is to be all in and to get connected. Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. And Lord, I just thank you for your word. Lord, I praise you, Father, for your word is truth. Your word is light. Your word changes heart. Lord, I praise you for who you are, that you are truth and your word is truth. And you are holy and you are mighty and you are worthy of our praise today. And it's a reason for us to get excited to come and gather together with a group of people who collectively are different and individualized in their calling, but do have a general calling that's the same, and we can unify in that for a common cause for the gospel. So Lord, I pray that we would hear your word today, Lord, that it would not fall void because your promise is that, and that, Lord, that we would be doers of your word and not just hearers and father that you would use us individually and as a church body lord to charge forward into everything that you've called us to do and to be and lord you're going to get glory for it all in jesus name amen all right guys so if you have a copy of god's word today you can turn to ezra chapter 2 and uh, somebody's like, oh, man, 70 verses. Don't worry, I'm not going to read all 70, okay? We're going to be all right. We're going to get through this. But what we are going to is pull out the certain aspects that God has the message for us in today. And what I would encourage you to do is go back later, if you haven't already, and read all 70 verses. Because it's so easy for us to just collectively just kind of read through a, a passage like this. It's got a million names in it and just like, yeah, ba 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 you know, whatever. We don't know these people, right? So what difference does it make? I promise you it makes a difference. And I want you just to think about as you read it and you look at these names and individuals later, I want you to think about and put your family's name in there. Maybe not at this time, but in today's meaning and application to what God wants you to do. God's in a movement. God's trying to do something and he wants your name to be written down has to be a part of it. He wants you to be written down at the names of, of what God wants to do through Impact Church in this community. He wants you and your family to be a part of it. So I want you to think about that, about how much God cares that he put these individual family names and people in there. So let's go ahead and read Ezra chapter 2. We're just going to read verse 1, and then we're going to read verses 64 through 70. I'm sorry, yeah, Ezra chapter 2. Did I say chapter 1? Ezra chapter 2, verse 1, and 64 through 70. So here we go. Now these are the people 
of the province who came back from the captivity, of those who had been carried away, by whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away to Babylon, and who returned to Jerusalem and Judah, every one to his own city. Skip way forward to verse 64. The whole assembly together was 42,360, besides their male and female servants, of whom there were 7,337. And they had 200 men and women singers. Their horses were 736, their mules 245, their camels 435, and their donkeys 6,770. Some of the heads of the father's houses, when they came to the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, offered freely for the house of God to erect it in its place. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for the work 61,000 gold drachmas, 5,000 minas of silver, and 100 priestly garments. So the priests and the Levites, some of the people, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the Nethanim dwelt in their cities and all Israel in their cities. So we see very specifically a chapter in this book devoted specifically to point out the people who are returning. What's in that? Community. Intimate fellowship. Mission. Togetherness. Let's go-ness, right? Like this is a beautiful passage of scripture to look at and get a word from the Lord on the church, the body, the mission, the togetherness that God has called us all to. If y'all were a part of the Philippian series we did called Joyride, you heard a similar message to this back there where we looked at unity as, as Paul was talking to the, uh, his brothers at Philippi and, and calling them to unity and togetherness. And I believe it's a common message all throughout scripture, no matter where you look, as you look at this call to be unified as believers, all right? And why? why? Why would it be such a call and such a reminder? Because it's easy to become divided, right? Amen? I don't know about you, but it, it, it's easy to, to just say, I don't wanna go to church today. I don't wanna go to church at all. I'll just watch online. I don't like church people. Uh, right? It's easy to get divided and not be unified. And I mean, because, I mean, God's got some quirky children, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, don't poke your husband, but I mean, he does. And, and this is a, an opportunity for us to, even though we're different and even though we may have differences, to still be unified for a common cause, all right? That's what God's calling us to. And the problem is, is through this, even though we know there's a call to community and unity, we have a, a warped sense of what community looks like. That's a big problem. And we, really what we have is a, a false sense of, of what it looks like by false expectations from what we get out of it. Because we think we should be just getting. Get, 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 get. That we're a part of community so we can get. So everybody can meet our needs and everybody can love on me and understand me. And, and, and if anybody comes against me when I do wrong, then I'm going somewhere else. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to own up my responsibility of the deal. And, and that's just so, so common today. 
that people have this false idea of what this community and body should look like. So if we have a warped sense of what we should expect out of it, we also get a warped sense of what its commitment, what our commitment to it should look like. So we have a bunch of people that aren't committed, that are not all in and getting connected, all right? So we see this passage that we just read here in Ezra chapter two really points to unity, shines togetherness and community because the group is together, all right? They're not separated, they're going together. Well, um, through that dude's Zerubbabel, right? Okay, and they're all going together to, to answer God's call and rebuild the temple. But more than that, they're answering God's call for their life. They're answering God's call for ministry. They're answering God's call to do what only he can do through them when their hearts are now focused on him and repentant and turned from their sin. And that's what God has in this. So they're going for a common cause. And the, the passage is, is beautiful because it, it really signifies the church, the, the body, because it's so diverse. I want you to, to see this when it talks about how the, the group went. And yes, we got all the names, but then we've got how there were horses, all right? And the horses shown that there were, were wealthy people involved because only the wealthy of the day would have horses. Then the rest of the people, the average day folks and, and income folks would have the donkeys, the mules, where they worked their farms and their fields and such, all right? So they were involved. And there says that there were servants even involved, some slaves, some servants. So we had a, a diverse group of people. And that's how the body of Christ is. We have people from all economic kind of backgrounds and financial situations, what all gathered together to do the work of the Lord. The same was here. There was male, there was female, there was all of it, diversity seen in him. And what's the big thing that we can look at here today? I want us to look at two things, that there's an individual calling that we have, and there's a general calling that we all have. All right, when we talk about community and what we're supposed to do. And the two things that we can look at under individual, um, our individual calling is, first of all, is to serve. Do we know that the Lord has stirred in these people's hearts individually first? The Lord was preparing them for something. He was getting their hearts right first and then calling them to something where they would use their specific talents, their abilities to do what God wanted them to do. So they would go and serve. So now you have this group of people coming together. I'm sure not all of them can build, but I'm sure some of them could. I'm sure not all of them can sing, so they sent 200 that could sing. Praise God, they don't have to have the pastor sing because if Tim and I sang, y'all wouldn't be here, okay? <laughs> not until 10.30 anyway, when we were done, right? That's when everybody would show up. So they were taking people that were given their gifts to complete and do the work of the Lord, each different members. So serving, that's part of getting connected. And that's why today you're going to see uh, at the end, hopefully over here at the table, is Pastor uh, Jim's over there. You can wave at everybody so everybody knows where you're going at the end. And you got this big sign above his head that says, get connected. Man, that's in the message. Was that on purpose? Uh -huh. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to look and we're going to pray today, God, how would you have me serve and get connected here at Impact Church to be a part of what you're doing in this movement? Because it's more than a meeting. Yes, Sunday morning is great. I want it to be powerful. I want it to be moving. I want it to, to start discipleship in your hearts, in your lives. But we're more than Sunday morning, guys. We got to be. We got to get connected and we got to serve, especially as we move forward into what God's going to develop and lead us to on this property. It's going to take more people serving. 
It's not going to be a time to sit back on our hands and be like, woo, we arrived. We're finally in a building. No, it's going to be time to get busy about the gospel and be really vigilant about reaching people and serving, okay? So part of it starts now, all right? So we've got all these ministries you can be a part of. One that's not up there is even a setup and teardown team, okay? Little setup, little teardown here now because we don't have to do this big facility, but the kids tend, there is some. And then eventually there's going to be here about a, a, a few month period where we got to get out of the way, right? While they're pushing dirt here. So we're, we might be in a facility where we have to set up and tear down again for a period while the building's being built. So there will need a set up and tear down team. And that's a beautiful thing because I remember back when we were in the school doing that, many people said, Brad, when we get in the building, can we still have some things to set up and tear down? And that was like weird to me. I was like, man, I thought everybody would be burnt out and like, man, can we get rid of this? But they were like, man, we love getting together on Sunday mornings and hanging out and talking about life and, and the week we had and the ball games or whatever, what our kids are doing. And they love the fellowship and the camaraderie of coming together. So it's beautiful. So get connected and serve. That's what we see this group of the Israelites doing, coming together to serve individually and collectively the body. What's the other thing we see in this passage that individually they were called to? If you look toward the end where we read through um, verses 64 through 70, specifically when you get down to verse 69, it says, according to their ability, they gave to the treasury for the work, all right, that they gave freely to the house of God to erect in his place. So our second responsibility as community and being connected is to give, our individual calling is to give, and we can go back to a, a whole different message, but we know what Malachi says is, is we, our, our expectation is that a tenth of our income belongs to the Lord. It all belongs to the Lord anyway. He only requires a tenth. And some people complain about that. But you give the, the waitress and waiter 15 and 20%, so why are you complaining about 10% to God? Man, think about that. Man, I mean, so God is, is and, and this is what he wants anyway. God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. That's what he wants. And the Bible is very clear that if money has your heart, that you can't serve both God and man, both God and money. You can't do it. So where's your heart? These people freely gave because they wanted to see the work of the ministry go forth. Do you want to see the work of the ministry go forth at Impact Church? Do you want to see what God's going to do with this tool? Then yes, then man, then, then honor God with your income and, and what he commands. And some people are, are misled and say, well, God doesn't expect a tithe anymore, Brad. That was Old Testament. And so we don't, there's nothing about a tithe in there. Well, I would uh, back you up a little bit and say there is because Jesus, even speaking to the Pharisees, when, when they come to him and he said, man, you, you should have done the former without doing, you know, still done the latter, right? And speaking of the tithe. But then also with Paul in Corinthians, if you go to 2 Corinthians, he said that when the people were given that they gave to their ability and even above their ability. So if you asked Paul what you should be given, you might be given 40, 50%. I don't know. So here, here's the point. What is God leading you to give and to be a part of to do? First is to serve, to be a part of, to, to gather, to connect, but then to serve and to give toward what God wants to do. There's our individual calling as a gathering. I love looking, when we look at individualized what our gifts and talents or responsibilities are. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And of course, you can't hardly go through something like this without at least mentioning that passage. And I want to read it in verses 12 through 27. But God has gifted us all to do something. Or God has positioned you somewhere to do something. 
Man, I was just fortunate enough to, to go to Florida this week. And man, on Friday, it was 86 degrees when I left, and I flew back to 36 degrees. You're talking about shell shock, getting off the plane. All right? But in the midst of, of Orlando, in this place where, you know, yeah, the, the world's just going on, right? Nobody's really thinking about Jesus and the Lord. But in the midst of that, where's this um, McDonald's? And it's supposed to be the biggest McDonald's in the world. For those of you who have been to Orlando, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's like two floors. It's got a game room in it. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's unreal. And you know what they were doing? They are playing Christian music. Through the whole store. And not just, the, not just punting and playing the music without the words. Chick-fil-A and Lynchburg does that now. Shame on them. Put some words in there for me. All right? McDonald's in Orlando, the biggest one in the world, was playing Christian music. And they were playing a song that we're actually going to play during our communion message here at the, at the end. By his wounds, we are healed. They were playing that at McDonald's. And there was other Christians. I, I was just like, Lord, there, there, there must be an owner here that is a man. That is a woman of God, whoever they are, and they are a warrior for Jesus because I'm sure they got some flag. I'm sure they get some flag, but they don't care. They're like, man, you can go down the street, go to Burger King. I don't care. We're playing Christian music here. All right, man, it's beautiful. So somebody, God had positioned somebody there to make a stand, and they were doing it. What has God done and placed you and positioned you to make a stand for him, and he's welcoming you to do it? Are you a business owner? Are you an employee? Whatever. How are you standing for the Lord? More than just wearing a t-shirt or, or putting a bumper sticker on your car. Cool. Anybody can do that. Are you living it out? And are you walking in his ways? I love it. And then after that, we get in the, um, at the airport, we get in the little van, whatever, to, to um, go uh, after we returned our car to go back to the airport. And they're playing Christian music in the van. I was like, and the Lord was just showing me, knowing that I prepared this message all week. And, and it's like, man, I've got people positioned that are making a stand, that are shining the light and doing everything that I've called them to do individually and then coming together corporately and moving forward. So it's beautiful. So let's read this passage as we think about that. And you think about where's the Lord gifted me, positioned me that I can be used. First Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read verses 12 through 27, quickly. I just want you to hear the word of the Lord. We're not going to um, break it down and, and divide it and go through an exegesis of it, but I just want you to hear God's word. Verses 12 through 27. For as the body is one and as many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Where would be, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, 
Much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think are to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ. Somebody say body of Christ. Christ. And members individually. And God has appointed those, these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. And after that, miracles, gifts, healings, helpers, all the like. I'm going to stop there so we can move on quickly. But do you get the point? God has gifted us each individually to be a part of the body of Christ. How are you using those gifts? How are you using the platform God has given you outside there? Now, how are you using the platform and the ability God has given you in here? Are you serving? Are you connected? Are you unified? Are you in it? Man, that's what God's called us to. What could God do through that? So we see this this individual calling as well as we're going to see a general calling. And I want to read Romans 12 to to finish up this idea of this individual calling and then tie it in with this body. Romans 12, 4 through 5. In the NIV, I'm going to read it. It says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. Sounds like a family to me, doesn't it? That's what God wants us to be, is a family moving forward to what he's called us to. Each family unit recognized in this passage signifies that. And I want you to think about, does God make mistakes in his word? No, never. Is there meaning in every part of scripture, even the names and the genealogy that you read in Old Testament? Absolutely. What's our application and meaning here? Because none of these names really jive and mean anything to us. It's the individuality and the specificity that God takes joy in calling us to, that God takes joy in calling you to. If he took the time in his word to put these individual names, don't you think he loves to take the time to call you to do part of his work also? And that if he were, were writing a, another story for us in heaven and, and say so-and-so was a part of this movement and so-and-so was a part of this, man, would, just think about that. Why would we want to miss out on that and let the enemy pull us back from that because of COVID and, and different things? Why would we want to be removed from what God wants to do? I can tell you the enemy wants to remove you from it, but God does not. God wants us to come together and collectively be everything he's called us to. Individual calling, but a general calling. So we see this here. We're all to be members of one body. So the general uh, calling is for us to be one. It's one of the true callings of being authentically in Christ is to be called to his church and to one another. Did you know that? But yet there's so many people who claim to love Jesus, but don't love his bride and don't love the church. There's so many that would be really quick as they should be to say, Jesus is my all in all, but they just don't want anything to do with the church. 
And as Vody Balkum would say, if you can't say amen, you got to say ouch, <laughs> right? I mean, because, but I, and I get it. I know that a lot of us, including myself, have experienced pain from people in church. And so it's easier to remove ourselves from that as to continue to be a part of it. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. And there's other reasons that we, um, and the enemy wants to remove us from church, twisting scripture on us, all right? A lot of different reasons that we'll look at. But our calling is to be gathered. Our calling is to be one. So let's look at this. Hebrews chapter 10, we alluded to it a little bit last week, all right? And just think about this. As, as, you, as we read this scripture, as we talk, think about it. The bride is the body of Christ. We just read all that. The church, the bride, the body of Christ. Can you be fully committed to Christ and not be committed to his body? Just think about that. Just, I, I'm not the Holy Spirit, okay? I'm not, I don't want to be, all right? Jesus is. I'm just pointing to Scripture and pointing to what I see the enemy doing in our society. And I want God to lead and work on your heart, all right, as we move through this. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Let's read that together as my app comes up here because I'm going to read it on my phone as I didn't tag it in the Bible. So here we go. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and everybody after that verse can say amen all right so man we want to hold fast together because he who promises faithful man we could all get a rally charge for that we can all walk out of the out of the tunnel locked arms with that what does that mean though what, what does that look like let's keep reading 24 and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works that means let's consider who we're around put each other first remember Greatest commandment, love God first with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love others as yourself. Okay, there's that commandment. Again, let's consider others first before ourselves. And then what's our calling through this? As we say, yeah, we're going to hold fast together without wavering because God is faithful. What, what is this? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Don't miss that. So much more we should be collecting together, gathering together, having fellowship together as we see the day approaching. Not dispersing and, and going to just online church and, and dividing the, the house and the body of Christ. Our calling is, is very simple. To get together, to gather. Don't forsake it as some are doing. Especially as you see the day approaching. What does that mean? That means if you see the Bible unfolding before your eyes in prophecy and you know you're in the fourth quarter, that's the best time to gather together. That is not the time to divide up. The enemy wants to do that. Do you, do you, see, the, do you see the diversity, see this dichotomy where, where, where Satan wants to divide and separate and God's calling us together as the end times get near? Man, that's like it. It's like being a, it's like being a, um, a player on a ball team, whether it's basketball, football, whatever, and you get in the fourth quarter and the game's on the line and the coach calls a timeout and says, all right, all the starters, I want y'all out. Y'all played for three quarters. We want to give y'all a break right now. Not me, brother. I want to be on the field, on the court when the game's on the line. How about you? I want to be diligent about the gospel right now as I see the day approaching. I want to push harder for the Lord, not sit back and take a break. But we've seen so many people do that. And evidently what's happening back here and as Paul was talking so this hasn't happened just since COVID, 
right? This isn't just a COVID issue. It's been exponentialized since COVID in our country and around our world. But this is an age-old problem. Why? Why is it a problem? Because people were not strongly rooted in their heart for God's word before adversity hit. That's why. Because they didn't have an understanding and a resolve in their heart to the commitment to fellowship that God has commanded. All right? Let me read you some statistics right here that are, that are kind of hard to, to swallow. Since the uh, pandemic, it's estimated by a Barner Group study as of last year that attendance is down in the church 30 to 50% as a whole. What do you think about that? Praise God, God's done the opposite for us. We've grown through the pandemic. Thank you, Jesus. That's, that's, that's just Jesus. That's not me. I mean, you know, I love it, what God's done, because to, for, for church growth, you've got all these specific seminars you go to, right, where you can pay lots of money and hear somebody that's really wise in, the, in human standards. You've got to have this kind of program. You've got to have this kind of follow-up. You've got to have this kind of stuff on your website, this, that, did. This is going to grow your church. Here's the model. How about you get thrown out in the field from a pandemic and God grows the church? That's Jesus, man. That's beautiful. That's what God's done here, okay? No man can take credit for it. It's God, all right? So, but in the midst of this, it still breaks my heart because as a whole across the nation, church attendance has been down. And then here it says, um, if you look even in the Pew Research Studies, this church attendance even um, amongst con- committed followers of Christ is down 6%. And that even includes those who still, like, they didn't divide up whether they were online church versus attendance. So just as a whole, 6% people who claim to be followers of Christ, 6% less are coming to church. Inside of that, inside of secular America, 7% uh, more are not attending church at all where they used to. So there's 7% less of secular America coming. There's 6% less of the committed followers of Christ coming. Do you see what Satan's trying to do through all this is move people out in a way. In this article that I read in the January 20, 2022 issue of the Institute for Family Studies, said this, says a lack of in-person interaction could weaken the social bounds within churches as the pandemic prolongs. As we know, religious service attendance is not only linked to having a social support network, but also to public health benefits, such as less depression, lower suicide rates, and less drug and alcohol overdoses. Online services with people isolated at home are unlikely to offer the same level of benefits. There are also emotional costs for people who practice religion but no longer attend religious services. According to the Barna survey, respondents who stopped attending church during COVID-19 were more likely to feel insecure and anxious compared with practicing Christians who did not stop attending services in person. That's secular research right there. Pointing back to what God's saying here. Don't forsake the gathering. Look, man, I know, and I love, I love, I love the fact that we have the availability to have online church right here, okay? Praise God for technology where we can put this service out, where if somebody's sick or out of town, they, they can watch it, right? Or if maybe somebody, man, you, you like Brad, man, did, with everything going so strong in the pandemic and, and all my health issues I'm with cancer treatments and this, that, and the other and all the thing I got going on, I just don't feel comfortable 
within a large group of people. I get it. So online church is there for this season and that time. But don't let the enemy do what I know what he wants to do. And that's get you out of the habit of going so that once everything does subside, that you never come back. Okay? Do what you have to do to be a part of church. We, that's why we even have drive-in available right now. Do what you have to do. Try to be a part of it. If you can't, the online's there. And it's a beautiful thing. Praise God for it. But don't let the enemy use it to separate you from the body completely. Because it's false community if that's all you do is online. All right? It's not what God intended for the long term. Even 1 Timothy 4 even says, devote yourself to the public reading and, uh, and teaching and preaching of Scripture. That's another command from God. Yes, Paul was talking to Timothy, but God was speaking to us through Paul. That, that's what Scripture is. So we have this command. And unfortunately, so many churches folded and are meeting no more and have changed the way they do church. Be through this. And they've forgotten the command from Scripture where this is what God has commanded us. Some even heard that they said that it was just a much-needed break as they didn't do church. I was like, again, man, it's like, you got to be kidding me. This is the fourth quarter. Let's get on the field. You need a break? Man, where's your heart if you need a break? Are, are, you, are you all in? Are you connected or are you not? I don't need a break in the fourth quarter. I'll rest when I get to heaven. How about you? All right? So let's go. Man, but... Again, nothing wrong with the online and praising God through, through worship. Praise God we have it. But don't let the enemy use it to completely separate you. It's different if you cannot get out of home and you have shut-ins. I'm a home health physical therapist. I know there's people that are homebound, can't get out. Praise God. This online church is for you. I love it. Praise God. Go for it. But for you, if you're able to get out and go, Man, pray and ask the Lord, Lord, when would you free me to get back? And if you're just out because you're sick or whatever, out of town, you ought to be chomping at the bit to get back into the body. That's what God has put inside of us. Community. Amen. There ought to be an amen with that. So many people use the excuse, but man, but there's Matthew 18, verse 20. Brad says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm going to be there. So there's two or three right here. I'm gonna do it. Let me ask you this. First of all, if there's just one, is God still gathered in your name? Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, what, what were you getting at? Is, is, can this be extrapolated to, to um, suffice for Hebrews 10 and for 1 Timothy 4? No, why? If you do a careful exegesis of this passage, which we're not going to do in totality here, but you see this passage is part of Matthew 18 where God is talking about how to handle discipline within the church. Okay, and if you look back and you read that, you'll see that. And it's talking about if somebody is out of bounds and in sin in the church, you confront them. If they don't agree, then you take two or three with you to confront them, okay? And so now you see the continuation of this passage where, hey, what you, loose, what you uh, bound on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loose, loosed in heaven. So God's going to be with you as you approach and deal with things within the body of Christ. And where two or three are gathered together to confront, God's going to be with them. There's the meaning of the passage. It has nothing to do with a church service or a Bible study. It's about confronting your brother in Christ in the body. There's the meaning of the passage. Let's be very careful we keep Scripture in its context so we don't pick it out and cherry pick it and make it say what we want it to say. It is not talking about it's okay to just have church with two or three people. Okay? 
is talking about confronting a brother in Christ. So we see the calling of this gathering in other passages because God wants community and for us to be a part of it. And he's dealing with these people in Ezra to do the same. But what are some, some reasons that we don't like community? We just went through one of them. And, and, and what are some reasons now? Is Because it's easy just to say, here's what God commands. It's Hebrews 10. It's 1 Timothy 4. And we should gather. But what are some things that separate us from that? Because there's an enemy at work trying to do it. We already talked about one of them. And that's this online uh, church and getting people uh, disassociated away. And even some churches have gone to all um, online stuff and dividing their church into house groups and stuff where, where they're like, hey, th- this, is a, this is a COVID-proof and recession-proof church now. We're going to keep doing church like this. And people look at them and say, oh, that's really innovative and really wise. No, it's not. No, no, it's not. Because wisdom is following scripture and what God called us to do. You want to keep doing your life groups? Great. But don't substitute the gathering for that. Got it? All right? Because that's what God's collectively called us to. So we have to be very careful. But the the biggest thing I think that separates us from from community that the enemy wants to use is is the cost of being in intimate fellowship in a community. Did you know there's a cost? That there's risk? Did you know that? Do you think about it that way? See, we're called to community, but we again... We have this warped view, means we have this perfected version view of what community looks like. And that we think that church is about that, man, it's always going to be there for us. It's always going to be done the way we want it done. It's always going to um, meet every uh, need we have. And there's not going to be any problems, no issues. And that's what we have this view of, of church and community to be. But it's not that way. What if you went into your marriage like that? And you thought that, man, I'm going to go in this marriage and there's not going to be any problems. There's not going to be any trouble. That person's going to meet my needs and be there every time I want. Would that work? No. It doesn't work in any relationship that way. Why would it work in this relationship? You see, that's not that way. That's not what God intended. It's a warped view, a a perfected fairyland view that's not accurate, okay? And like I said, some, sometimes it comes from watching the, the big online churches, like the, you know, with the, with the, the fancy music and the lights. And, and, and you, you have a tendency to say, oh, I wish my pastor preached like that and was funny and all that. Or I, I, wish, I wish my worship team sang those songs and sang that good in that way. Or I, I wish my congregation worshiped the Lord that way. And if you're not careful, we can get this warped view of what it is. And the problem is a lot of those online preachers and stuff, they're real popular and stuff, but their, their, their messages are a mile wide and only an inch deep. Why? Because they, they, they appeal to the flesh. They, uh, they're a self kind of elevating theology inside of it that appeals to the flesh and makes us feel good, but never speaks to our spirit and confronts our flesh in its sin. But their messages, man, they're all polished up just as much as their hair and their designer clothes, right? You don't have to worry about that here because I don't have hair and I don't fit in designer clothes. Okay, so it's all good. We're going to preach the word and stick to it. I'm not a comedian either, but hey, but man, if we're not careful, we can get this warped view of what church should look like, even from deception online and whatnot. But there's a cost and there's a price of risk and heartache, just like in a relationship, oftentimes in a marriage and even sometimes betrayal in the church. Why? Because we're dealing with people. We're dealing with imperfect people in an imperfect world. And so there's going to be pain. There's going to be 
letdown and heartache because nobody's perfect. And if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it because then it won't be perfect anymore. Okay? Right? But hey, man, I'm not perfect. And um, ask my wife. She's out there somewhere. My mom and dad are right here. They'll tell you I ain't perfect. Right? And you're not perfect either. It's okay. So we have to have grace with each other. That doesn't mean we excuse sin. All right, that's not what I'm talking about. But we got to realize that there's going to be some differences. I'm not going to do stuff as fast as what you would like them done sometimes. I'm not going to, I might do stuff too fast sometimes than what you would like them done. Like, shouldn't we have thought about that before we moved? I don't know. You know, so we're going to pray about it. We're going to let Jesus take the lead and we're going to follow him as best we can. But we can't make everybody happy all the time. All right. And if, and if, if that's your expectation of church, then you have the wrong expectation. All right, because it should be about following Christ and getting plugged in and serving and letting God use us. So here's the lie. If there's real, authentic, biblical community, then there won't be any pain or heartache. That's a lie. All right? How can you say that, Brad? Can you say that scripturally? Yes. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to read this passage in the NIV. This is Paul talking. It says, Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. I can't see, I can't tell you, man, whatever. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychius to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. The parchments are the scripture. Paul wanted the scripture. He says this, Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Does that sound like Paul had an understanding that, Paul should, that, that church should just be hunky-dory and no problems? No. He's being very honest and saying there was pain that some deserted him because they left. They, they, they loved this world. They loved the things of this world and, and departed for the, from the ministry. Some left for other reasons, maybe healthy reasons. Some left and had problems. We see there because Alexander, because of some kind of sin coming against him in the message. Man, do, do we see the pain and the real authenticity that Paul's bringing out? And he's talking the, in ministry. What's he saying to, to Timothy there? Sheep bite, Right? They bite each other. They bite the shepherd. It's ugly sometimes. But who are we here for? For Jesus. Man, and there's so many times that we have to realize that, yes, there's, there's going to be pain, and we're going to make ourselves vulnerable for relationships and intimacy and getting plugged in and connected, and people are going to let us down, and that's going to happen. But, man, the focus is still Christ, and the focus is the movement and the call that God has us on, all right? Some of the most painful times in ministry that I've had are not from unbelievers, from people that call themselves Christians that are in church. Paul said the same thing. Man, does that make me want to quit? I mean, I wish it wasn't that way, and I'm sure you do too, but we shouldn't quit. 
We should realize and move on and charge forward. And like Paul said, man, I just want to finish the race and complete the job the Lord Jesus gave me. How about you? Do you just want to finish what God's called you to and be a part of this greater picture that he's as? To do that, we've got to control our feelings. It doesn't mean your feelings aren't real. Some people are going to hurt and you need to deal with them and, and, and do that whole thing and, and confront your brother and be honest. But let's work things out. Let's not just pull apart and separate just because you don't like somebody in the church. That's what breaks my heart, man, and I've seen it. You know, boyfriends, girlfriends separate. I've seen, you know, people get in arguments in the church, and then they leave the church. Man, God didn't want you to leave the church because of any of that. That's what Satan wanted you to do. Man, work out your differences. Sit on the opposite side of the church if you have to for a while so y'all can reconcile, whatever the case may be. But don't leave the body. Do what God's called you to. So why does God allow it to be painful? First and foremost, we realize we're in a fallen world. Second is because this, even though it's our calling to oneness and to community, it was never meant to be sufficient for us. Jesus was. The church was never meant just to be here to meet your needs and to make everything go well for you. Jesus does that. Us together is the body under Christ moving forward to accomplish something. Do you get the picture now? Praising him, worshiping him, learning in his word, yes, but moving in the mission. So maybe you need to go to somebody today that maybe there's some people you know that don't come to church here anymore because y'all had a little spat, had a little disagreement. Would you reach out to that brother or sister after this service? Would you make things right? Would you call them back to fellowship here? Get your differences made. Man, that, that, should, that should hurt you. Man, it, we don't need that just because of personal differences. People leaving the body. Man, get things right with your brother or sister and let's get together and lock arms and move forward. So we don't throw away this unity and oneness togetherness because it's hard or definitely not because of just trivial matters that never make a difference in the scheme of eternity. That's what Satan wants us to do is throw it all away for that. The perfect church doesn't exist online. The perfect church doesn't exist in person. Why? Because people are there, okay? So we need to reconcile our differences, but to move together toward our calling. I'm sure there was some differences amongst this, some 50,000 people that were moving to rebuild the temple. I'm sure there was a bunch of people that had some differences. But God's called us to work together collectively to accomplish something. I close right here with this passage as we get ready to move toward communion together. I want to read John chapter 17. I want to read verse 11 and then verses 20 through 23 in the NIV. And we're going to see the words of Christ right here as he's praying to the Father. And in verse 11, speaking about the disciples, he says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Isn't that beautiful? And you say, well, that's great, Brad. He's just talking about the disciples. Well, let's move down to verse 20 because it moves toward the body of Christ. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me and that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. 
then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It's beautiful. It's God's calling to unity. We don't give up on it because it's ugly, it's nasty, it's hurtful at times, and there's differences. We rally together as a body to complete the mission. True community, intimate fellowship within the body of Christ, just like in your relationships, especially in that of a marriage, takes effort. It does. It takes intentionality. It takes work. It takes resolve in your heart that nobody's separating me from this body of Christ unless God moves me. Do you have that in your heart? That's what it should be now, that you're a part of this. Because I'm going to tell you, God's on a mission in the world. God's on a mission here individually and through Impact Church. And will you be a part of it? I know he's stirred in your hearts individually. He's brought you here for a reason. Now resolve in your heart that until God moves you, you're a part of the mission. And you're doing everything you can to move forward in it and not be separated from it like the enemy wants to do. God's got a mission before us. So this is part of the body of Christ. Impact Church is one part of God's body. Are you a part of it? Are you all in? Are you ready to get connected and move forward? Because this is not about a building. It's about the body, okay? This is not about making decisions because there's plenty of them to be made as we move forward, I promise you. It's about making disciples, Lord, let us not be caught up into decisions, but truly on the mission of disciples. Amen? Yes, decisions need to be made, but disciples is the focus. And this is not just a meeting. It's a mission. It's a movement of God. Will you be a part of it? Because I'm going to tell you, there's a Jordan River that we're going to have to cross here really soon. And there's going to, just like as the Israelites had to cross They had to let the Ark of the Covenant go before them and prepare the way, amen? We've got to let Jesus go before us and prepare the way, but then we have to walk through it even in the uncertainty of a flooded, roaring Jordan River because there's going to be a time, a few-month period, where we have to move off this property while we're moving dirt. We've already put the down payment on the first um, multi-purpose building. If you missed last week, we went through the finances and talked about that, but the building has has started its way. It's been purchased. It's about a four-month layout for delivery. Um, Site plans are on the desk of the county, and we're looking to move trees in March and move dirt in uh, hopefully March and April. So we're going to have to get out of the way. So, amen. That's right. It's beautiful. But will you resolve in your heart to stay part of the body while we get moved off of this campus? And God doesn't have a place yet. We're still looking for that. But wherever he leads us, will you still be committed to be a part of it? All right? And you might be like, heck yeah, because it's probably going to have air conditioning and running water. I'm all there, baby. All right? So, Lord, bring it on. All right, but will you resolve in your heart to be committed through this process? And then when God returns us here, it's going to be with a tool to use in this community for the gospel. Be a part of the mission. Get plugged in. God's at work. Because what are we all here for? It's Jesus. Because he's the one that paid it all. Let us pray as we close. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son who was led like a lamb to the slaughter to be slain. And Lord, he poured out himself for all of us, the just dying for the unjust. Lord, that we could be forgiven, that we could be restored, renewed, that we could return and rebuild everything, Father, Lord, that the enemy has tried to take and and deceive us with. Father, by his wounds we are healed. So, Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken. 
for your blood that was shed at Calvary because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So Father, we praise you, Lord, for taking our place. The punishment that was due us was placed upon you, Lord, and you suffered horribly because of our sin. So Lord, help us to never take that for granted, to never make excuses for sin because of your gift, but to Lord, rather to choose to be surrendered, repentant, forsake our sin, and to choose to live by the spirit and not by the flesh. Lord, because we wanna do and be and accomplish all that you've asked us to within your mission. So we surrender ourselves first to you, and Lord, we commit to your body to be all in, to get connected, to serve you in what you're moving us forward to do. And it's all because of you and you get all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. As Tony plays and we close our service, go ahead and stand to your feet. Whatever the Lord has laid upon your heart today, we want you to do business with him. Maybe you need to get saved. Maybe you need to commit your life wholly and completely and fully to him for the first time. I want you to do that right here today. Or maybe you say, Brad, I need to rededicate my life to him. I need to come back. There was a time where I was on fire for the Lord, and man, it's, my fire's burned dim, and I need to get back on fire for him. I want you to rededicate your life to him today. So right now, before we sing, if that's you and you need to just commit your life to the Lord for the first time or rededicate, just say this. Just speak this from your heart to God's heart to say, dear Lord, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of you, my Savior. To this point in my life, I've been separated from you, living for myself, the things of this world. And Lord, today I want to change. I come running back to you in repentance and I fall on my knees before the cross where your body was broken and your blood was shed. And I praise you for the forgiveness that I can only have in you. And thank you for raising from the grave three days later in victory, proving that you were God. And Lord, I claim that same victory right now in my life. And my commitment to you is from this day forward that you have all of me. Use my life for your glory. My will is now your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give Jesus a big round of applause for what he's done, everything he continues to do. Let's take this word this week. Let's go make an impact for Jesus, amen. Let's take it and let's be a part of the body. Let's be a part of what God's called us to do individually and collectively because I know that this is a movement. It's not a meeting. Grab a friend, grab some family members. We'll add some more chairs in next week. See you next Sunday. Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ. Christ.